How is everybody today? Oh, my land. It's going to be a long hour. Woo! Y'all better wake up. How is everybody today? Good. There we go. See, I knew we had more than two people alive in here. So we're continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit that Rex has entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, it's still one of my favorite movies. It is my favorite Christmas movie, but... Looking at the fruit of the Spirit as we went through this, isn't it, isn't it really a wonderful life to live for Jesus? I mean, really. To have Jesus in our life, doesn't it make it wonderful? This means yes, this means no. Some of you will catch up later. All right? We're, again, it's gonna be, we're going to have a fun time, I can tell. So, we have went through several. Thankfully, Rex took self-control because last when he asked me to preach, we had three left. Gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I was like, ooh, I don't want self-control. Let him, let, let him. So he, he, allowed me to, he allowed me to select faithfulness. So we're going to talk about faithfulness today. And I want, I want you to remember, before we get into it too deeply, I want you to remember that the fruit of the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit are things that come in our life as we draw closer to the Lord. It's the, the things that we've talked about, peace, patience, all of those things that we... Those aren't things you can just tell yourself you're going to be better at. You can't, you can't just wake up and say, I'm going to have more patience today. Because it generally does not work that way. Generally, the best way to do it is to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to build my relationship with you. I'm going to trust in you. And then God gives us the patience. And then, then it comes from the inside. And so understand that as we talk about faithfulness today, I don't want you to think I'm trying to get you to develop and, be, and, and on your own be more faithful Understand that what we're trying to do is understand what, how that comes from the outside and how you, that, that's a measure of your relationship with the Lord. So, I have a question for you. Any, any basketball players in here? Anyone watch basketball? Anyone know what a basketball is? Oh, there we go. See? I knew we would get there someday. I, I, my daughter plays for Delta, and yesterday was the alumni game, and they asked me to officiate the alumni game. So I just have to throw this disclaimer out there. If I fall down while I'm preaching today, it's only because the muscles are a little tight today. Uh, I, the, the lactic acid is doing its job somehow because the muscles just don't feel like they usually do. So if I'm walking and I fall, roll, I'll try and tuck. I try, Eric, I'll probably uh, try to make you not have to give CPR or anything today. So, but if that happens, so but if you were a basketball, if you if you were a basketball coach, and you're down by two points with five seconds left on the clock, all right, you've got five seconds left. You're taking the ball out of bounds. You're going to want someone specific to have the ball in their hand, right? You as a coach probably have one player that you're like, let's get the ball to this person, okay? So my question is this: If you're in that situation, do you want the guy on the left? Or the right to be the one that gets the ball. You could say it. How many of you want the guy on the left? Absolutely. I don't know. I, I'm a little bit hurt, but thank goodness the Lord loves me anyway. Why is it that you would want the guy on the left versus the guy on the right? Because he knows what he's doing. If there's, if, there's a, if there's a choice between who has a chance of making it and who doesn't have a chance of making it, 
his, our chances are much better with Steph Curry than they are with me. Uh, that, right? Isn't that true? And so it's important for us to understand that's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness in us is when God can look at us and God can say, that person I can rely on, that person I can trust, that, that person I can know that they're going to do the right thing. They, they're faithful to me. How many Journey fans I got out there? Anybody a Journey fan? Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. Some of you aren't. Some of you got mixtapes still at home. You can pop in some Journey and enjoy it, right? I know some of you held a lighter at a concert sometime. One of their, one of their most famous songs, what was one of their most famous songs? Don't Stop Believing, that's by far the most famous. What was another famous one? Faithfully. Oh, girl, you stand by me. I'm forever yours, faithfully. Now, I can't say whether or not the lead singer of Journey was actually faithful to his spouse or, or, or continued to be faithful to him. But what is he saying in that? He's, he's saying, if you'll stand by me forever, I'll be right beside you. I'll love you forever, faithfully. You can count on it. One of my favorite hymns is, Great is Thy Faithfulness. My sister, my sister, when I was just out of college, had some, had some surgery she needed to have, and we were really concerned about her future during that surgery. And I talked to a friend of mine from where I was working. I was working in Louisville at the time. I talked to a friend of mine, and she said, you won't believe the song that I just heard, and it was Great is Thy Faithfulness. And what is so cool about the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord my God. There is no shadow of turning with thee. You can count on it. You can count on God being faithful. What is, when we say God is faithful, it means God is going to be true to who he is and to what he does, no matter what situation he's in. Yes? So as we, that, that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what I want by the end of today. That's, by the time we leave today, I want you to understand that we want to be the people that God can look at and say, I can rely on that person. I can trust that person to do what I'm asking them to do. Because then you get to go on this great journey. All right, we're going to do something today. You, and you, you got, I, I hate to say this, I love you. My name is Brian. Hopefully we're friends for a long time. But first service was more awake than y'all are. So... Hopefully we're gonna we're, so we're gonna try and wake you up a little bit. I rarely do this, but we're gonna read an we're gonna read a very long passage of scripture together. And so, what your job is to keep you awake every time you see the two words by faith in this passage, you're gonna read it. I'm not okay. That way you got to pay attention, so you got to watch for it. Okay, and if you're not, I'll know. I got this little. This little sensor in my brain. If you're checking out and not doing it, I'll know. Your grade will reflect it at the end of the, at the end of the semester, just in case you're wondering. All right? How many of you have heard of the, the Hall of Faith? Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as the Hall of Faith. Right? Bunch of faithful people are mentioned in that. And so we're going to use that passage of Scripture, that entire chapter, plus two verses in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to use that entire chapter to go through and understand faithfulness. All right? So you ready? Everybody got your vocal cords warmed up? Ready to go? Oh, 
Get the singing voice going. Here we go. All right? Every time you see the words, by faith, I want you to read them. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, he warned about, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes. It was that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what God had promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they cannot call, that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have just returned and went back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if, that Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was 
that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son. It was that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole nations to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received what God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race of God that that God set before us. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. Yeah? Yeah? Think about the number of times you said by faith in that passage. It was a lot, wasn't it? All of the things that we see in Scripture, all the big experiences that people did, all of them happened by faith. Faith is what brought them to be. 
Not because God couldn't do it if we didn't have faith. But because of the faith, he actually did. By faith. By faith. by It was by faith. So, if we're going to talk about faithfulness, now that you have this background, we're going to use this passage. We're going to go word for word. So we're going to be here for like two or three days. We're going to go word. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, Rex is here. He's going to be kicking me out soon. No, I'm just... Well, we're going to go through this passage. We're going to use this passage of Scripture to help us understand what faithfulness really is. So before we go too much further, it's probably important for us to define faithfulness, right? Yes? So we can use this passage of Scripture to define faithfulness. It begins with, what's the first part of faithfulness? Faith, good. I like it. If I'm looking at the word faithfulness, what I see first is faith. Okay, maybe we, maybe we have to have a reading class here. I don't know, any, any language arts instructors in the classroom today? The first word is faith, right? So let's understand what faith is. The Hebrew writer tells us what faith is. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Shows us that what we hope for actually is real. Anybody struggle with that? Anybody have hope in something? Yes? No? Well, maybe we should maybe we should preach on hope first. Anybody we have hope in something, right? Faith is faith is taking that thing that we hope for and saying that is real. The Hebrew writer says faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. And it gives us the evidence of what we can't see. If you would read this in the New International Version, it would say faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we cannot see. You have to have faith for anything else. How are we saved? What's, go back to Ephesians chapter 2. What does Ephesians chapter 2 says? Where does it say our salvation comes from? By grace through Faith, good. I was hoping, see, I'm trying to give you guys some softballs. I'm trying to make it easy for you, give you, give you some easy questions. Because we did a little bit poorly on the beginning of the quiz, so I'm trying to help you out so we get to a good A, a grade by the end, right? By grace through faith, faith is being sure that what we hope for is real. Being certain of what we cannot, what we can't see. Anybody seen heaven? Nope. Anybody been to heaven? Nope. So how do we know that it's real? By faith. Faith is saying, I believe that what I'm hoping for is real. I'm telling you, let me just tell you this. I hope that this isn't it. Anybody hope that earth is the end of it? Anybody think that that it's not going to get any better than this? If you do, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. Come see me. Man, I want something better. I want something I can enjoy more. There's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of hassles and headaches and hurt and pain down here. I, I don't want to be with I don't want to deal with this. Faith says there is something coming better, and I believe that that is true. If you don't have that, you're gonna struggle the rest of your life. And they make it even more plain. They help us understand. It's understanding that creation, listen to what the the Hebrew writer says. Creation was made 
from nothing that we see. Nothing. It's, it's not like God had dirt to work with. And so he said, okay, let's, let, let's take this dirt that's already here and form it. It came from nothing that, we, that can be seen. That, my friends, is difficult to understand. But when you, when you admit to that and when you accept that, that's the beginning of faith. And without it, you really can have faith. If I, if I have to see it, if I have to know it, if I have to experience it, then it's not faith, right? Which brings us to the last point on here. You have to have faith to please God. You cannot please God without... You can't bring a smile to God's face without faith. It's necessary to have faith to please God. To, to put a smile on God's face, we have to have faith. Why is that so important? Why do we have to understand that? Because if you don't have faith... You're only acting on what you know. God has angels around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is is to come. What he chose for us as humans is that we would choose, we would make a choice to say that. And when we step out in faith, when we do things and we say, hey, you know what? What you have for me is better than what I have here. That's when God says, oh, they're starting to get it. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. Certain what you can't see. I can't see it. I didn't get to shake Jesus' hand. I didn't get to go have coffee with him. We never met at McDonald's and shared a quarter pounder with cheese. We never, I I haven't done that. But I'm sure that he exists. And I'm sure that there's a heaven. And I'm sure that he's building it. Because I have faith. Does that make sense? We understand that so far? Because we got that, we have to, if we don't have that basis, we're going to struggle. Right? Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we can't see. Look at all of the, what do you have in the bullet? Jen was very kind to me and printed, cut, and stuffed into the bulletin a handout. And what that handout has for you is this. I took, I went through, I went, I printed off the passage of scripture and I went through and I highlighted things that gave us a definition things that were acts of faith and blessings that came. And then I took them and I put them into a little spreadsheet for you to take home with you so you can look at them. So I'm going to refer to that, not specifically, but I'm going to refer to that. You can look and see where some of these points come from. See, I'm such a helper. Such, I, I love you. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see. The next part is full. You guys couldn't even get faith, so I wasn't going to try and ask you to get full because I knew... I, Goodness only knew what we'd end up with. But if we're going to define the word full, what does it mean? Full. Good. See, there's another easy one. We missed that one. It means to be complete. So if I'm going to be, have faithfulness, I start with faith. We've established what faith is. Faithfulness includes complete faith. And then what does nest mean? Nest means this. An action, a quality, or a state. Everybody with me? This is our definition of faithfulness. Living a life completely based on the belief that what we hope for but cannot see is real. Living a life completely based on the fact and on the belief 
that what I hope for, even though I can't see it, is real. Look at that for just a second. Process that. Answer this question just to yourself. You don't have to nod. You don't have to shake your head or raise your hand. Answer this question, though. Would that change the way you live your life? If you put this definition up, read through it every time you made a decision, either as a family, as a couple, as an individual, as a coach, as a teacher, as a worker, would this definition change the way you do things? I think it would. Let's think about sin for just a second. I, I know I don't want to meddle too deeply. Do you see why sin is sin from this definition? When I sin, what I'm saying is what I want to do, the decision that I want to make is different than what God wants me to do because it's wrong. So obviously God doesn't want me to do the sin, right? Everybody understands that. When I make that decision, what I'm saying is I believe that what is here and now is more valuable than what is then and there. Yes? Faithfulness is living a life completely, completely based on the belief that what I can't see but what I'm hoping for actually is real. When I, when I see an opportunity to take something that's not mine or steal something. When I see an opportunity to steal something, what I am saying is, God obviously doesn't want me to take that because it's theirs. And if I don't take that, somewhere there's going to be a blessing, even if it's not till heaven. But there's a blessing somewhere. But I would rather have that thing that's not mine and steal it rather than wait on the blessing. Everybody understand that? That give you a concept you can hold on to? Faithfulness is living your life completely based on the belief that what you hope for, anybody hope for heaven? Anybody want to go to heaven? Absolutely, right? Because I certainly don't want to go to hell. And even if I don't believe in heaven or hell, just laying in the ground and being eaten by worms really isn't all that exciting to me either. So I'm hoping for there to be something better than this world. Right? When I make a decision, no matter what it is, am I making that decision based on building my relationship toward faithfulness, toward that thing that I hope? Is that going to draw me closer to God and closer to heaven, or is it going to draw me further away? That's some, that's some tough stuff, isn't it? Living a life completely based on the, on, the, on the completely based on the belief that what we hope for but can't see is real. So, how do we do this, right? How, how, do, we, how do we build this faithfulness? How, how do I become faithful? Obviously, I said before, it comes from within. 
based on our relationship. But, but we understand we have to build our relationship with the Lord, right? It doesn't just happen. We don't, we don't just sit around and say, oh, I think I, I hope God makes me more relationship with him today. Try that with your spouse. It's probably not going to work that well, right? You better at least have a card on a Christmas birthday or anniversary, right? So we have to, we have to invest some in it. How do we build this faithfulness? First of all, start out by obeying in small things. What happens is sometimes we, you hear sermons like this or, or maybe you go to a conference or you go to a Christian concert or something. You get really close to God and, and you're drawn really into the presence. You're like, you walk out of that thing, you're like, man, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to read my Bible three hours a day. I'm going to pray for two hours a day. And me and Jesus, we're going to be like this within two days. Man, I, I got this now. <laughs> That's all I need. And you go home and you pray for three minutes and you read for five minutes and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of reading. Some of you, while we were reading that passage today, were like, oh my gosh, is he ever going to stop? Some of you, you come out of those things and you're like, the first of the year, we're at the beginning of the year, right? I'm going to read the Bible all the way through in a year this year. This, this is the year I'm doing it. And then you get the numbers and you're like, whoa. Jesus, do you still love me if I don't read the book of Numbers? <laughs> Is there really anything in there i got to have? you got to start out small. The reason that Steph Curry was your choice for the three-point shot at the end of the game, the reason that he is your choice as opposed to me is because Steph Curry has been practicing three-pointers all very religiously for a very long time. But he didn't just at two years old walk out to the three-point line and start chucking them going, oh, got that one. Right? He had to, he had to start out small. He, he had to start as a little nugget, just throwing up whatever he was throwing up. Maybe he had a little, maybe he had a little backboard and basket in his basement that was at like two feet when he was a foot tall. I don't know how he started, but he built himself up to the, he didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm the best three-point shooter around. Everybody's going to choose me to win the game. We understand that, right? We understand that when we look at a professional athlete. It's the same for us as Christians. You've got to build your relationship with the Lord. The first thing that Abraham did of faith was not lay Isaac down on an altar. He had built his faith to get there. And Hebrews teaches us some of that. It started with God coming to Abram and saying, hey, leave here, take some tents, go live there. I'm not going to tell you where, just you just start walking. I'm, I'm the dad, you're the son. I'm the God, you're the follower. You do what I say. Just pick your tent up, let's go. We're going to go for a walk. I'll, t- I'll tell you when we're done, right? Abraham, okay. Mary, pouring oil, many worth, many years worth of wages. Mary pouring that kind of perfume on Jesus' feet and then wiping it with her hair. That's not the first act of faith that Mary ever did. The first one that we see in Scripture is Jesus is visiting she and Martha and Lazarus, and Martha's a flustered mess, and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Peter didn't just one day say, oh, Jesus is on the water, I'm going to walk on it. Peter had taken small steps before he had built his faith. The same is true with you. 
Give yourself time to build your faith, but start building. Be consistent. Say as a family, we're going we're gonna to pray at one meal a day. We're going to actually pray for five days a week or three days a week. Or I'm going to read my Bible for two minutes a day, five days a week. Give yourself a little grace. Somehow, somehow establish some sort of pattern so you get used to it and you expect it and you're comfortable with it. And, and if it doesn't happen, there, there comes a place where you're like, oh, I forgot. Be consistent in it. Make yourself stay with it. Because it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to do this. And then you go, ah, well. Maybe even sit down with your family. Establish some sort of a covenant and say, we're, we're as a family. We haven't done very well praying before meals. Or we don't pray before bed. Or we don't ever look at the scripture together. Or we don't ever sing together. Whatever it might be. And sit down and establish some sort of a covenant as a family to build consistency. Say, as, as parents... We're going to ensure that at least three days a week we have five minutes together as a family to pray and read. I, I don't you you establish it for yourself, but find something to do and be consistent with it. If you look through those stories in Hebrews chapter eleven, Enoch, right? Enoch's walking around one day and then he's gone. What a great story that would be. Imagine that you're at work and you're gone. Enoch's just, Enoch's just walking. The Bible says in the Old Testament, he was walking and he was gone. God took him, just like that. Even Elijah had chariots of fire to come pick him up, swoop up, and, and take him. Enoch's just walking and gone. This is what it looks like. Enoch showed up for work one day. He's sitting at his computer, typing away, sending some emails, responding to some, responding to some things, and all of a sudden he's gone. His co-workers come by his cubicle and they say, Hey, Where's Enoch? I don't know. He was here earlier today. I wonder where he went. I don't know. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Somebody go check. And so they, well, maybe he had to go home. I don't know. So then they asked the boss, have you seen Enoch recently? Nope. I don't know. He was here earlier today. Maybe in a couple days, then they say, hey, somebody ought to maybe report him missing. So they go to the police. The police come in, ask some questions, write some things down, file a report, enter him into leads. And hope somebody else comes right. And then they, they, they go check some other houses. They go check some friends. <clears throat> Enoch's gone. He just, he's just gone. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, wouldn't that be a great way to go? If there are ways to leave this earth and make it to heaven. That's my choice. I choose that one. Right? Just gone. Why does Hebrews 11 tell us that happened for Enoch? Because before he was taken, he was known as a man who pleased God. Right? Consistently walking. Enoch had a consistent conversation. A consistent walk with God. And one day God just said, you know, we've been walking, me and heaven, you on the earth, all this time. Let's just, let's just go play golf together. Come on. But you got to start small. And you got to be consistent. And then... You gotta, you gotta stay focused. What really matters? You see, that's, that's where people like me, I, I probably shouldn't be teaching this because if there's an adult with ADD or ADHD or however they did, however they diagnose that for adults, I'm there. They, they give me a test for that. If I, I, I won't test for that because I don't want to see how 
high on the scale I actually am. But they ever give a test for that, I'm probably going to blow up their scale. They're probably going to say, whoa, you might need something to help. Because I am not a very good focused person. Some of you have been following the journey a little bit. This Saturday is the due date for my final paper in my master's program. Never try and get a master's program around 50 years old. It's been the dumbest decision I ever made in my life. Man, I, 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 tell, my, I tell my wife and kids, i got to go do schoolwork. I don't want to do schoolwork. Yeah, let's go do something else. Okay. It's, too, it's way too much concentration. you got to stay focused to do that. It's the same way with your faith. What really matters? You've got to establish what you really care about. Because what happens is you have ADD of faith. And you try to do things. You want, you, want to, you want to do the right thing. You want to do what God is asking you to do. But other things take your attention away, right? Maybe, maybe, I've, got, maybe I've got some attention to give somewhere else. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I've got a job that's changing. Maybe I've, got, maybe I've got a new relationship. Maybe I've got new kids. And I've got all these other things going on. I don't have time to be bothered with building my faith. Come on. You've got to be crazy. Stay focused. What really matters? What's really important to you? If your belief, going back to our definition of faithfulness, if your belief in the importance and the glory of heaven is not strong, you'll struggle. Because it's nice to have a new shiny car. It's nice to have a new house. It's nice to have new friends. It's nice to get new clothes. It's, it's nice to have people say, oh, you're so cool. It's, there's all kinds of things that can attract our attention and can take us away from what God wants. Being faithful says, I'm going to focus on what really matters. And then the other column on your sheet is the blessings. Because we're really not going to, we're not going to be faithful if there's not a blessing, right? I'm not going to do the right thing if there's not a reward. Anybody else going to agree with me? Oh, you guys want to be spiritual. You guys want to be all kinds of spiritual and stuff. You think you're in church, right? You, okay, just keep your hands down. I'll know what's going on inside your head. All of us, if we're going to do the right thing and it's going to cause a sacrifice, we all want there to be some sort of reward for that decision that we make. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at your list. Blessings are rarely immediate. Aren't they? Look on the right and the, the column all the way to the right. Look how many of those blessings that are shared there came after even the people came, even after they died. Abraham's Abraham's big blessing is that he's known as the father of many nations. Did that happen while he was alive? No. Hebrews 11 even tells us that the writer of Hebrews himself, they were looking forward to something they didn't get to experience. But they were looking forward to it. Let me ask you this question. When when your prayers aren't answered as quickly as you'd like them to be, does that build your faith or hurt your faith? Does it make your faith stronger? Or does it make it weaker? The truth is, it makes it weaker, doesn't it? Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? Why didn't you do what I asked, God? 
I've been good. I've been doing the right things. I've been, I've, goodness gracious, I've prayed about this thing for five days in a row. How can you not give me what I want? <laughs> Abraham. 100 years old. It's a boy! <laughs> you better find someplace else for that kid to be because I don't want another kid and I'm only 50. I can't imagine twice my age trying to raise some little nugget running around my house. God love him. Somebody's got the strength to do it. Abraham was, Abraham was different than me. Blessings are seldom, rarely immediate. But not only are they rarely immediate, almost always blessings will be will include other people. If you're looking for a blessing that's only going to bless you, you might be looking for a while. And oftentimes think about the think about the blessings that we ask for. Think about this I I won't meddle too long, but think about how selfish some of our blessings that we request are. If God is going to bless somebody, generally it's going to be so they can bless someone else. Look at your list. All those things. By faith, Abraham, father of many nations. By faith, Noah built a boat and what? Saved his whole family. Blessings rarely are immediate and they almost always include a blessing for someone else. But this is the best part of it. Really, I mean, when you get right down to it. Blessings are eternal. When you're blessed by God, it doesn't go away. It doesn't leave. Look Look in Hebrews chapter 11 at all of the things that are listed there. Almost all of the blessings that are listed are related to heaven. Being in another land. By faith, Abraham moved to a land that wasn't his own and lived as a foreigner in a foreign land because he was hoping someday to go home. And where is home? Home is heaven. Home isn't here. If you're looking for something here to be fantastic and to build your faith, you're probably going to be looking for a long time. Simply put, if I pray for a new car and God grants me a new car and blesses me with a new car, it won't be long I'll want another new car. When God blesses me with heaven, I stay forever. Isn't that cool? Faithfulness is built on our view of heaven. It's what's coming. So that's what takes us back to all of those by faith. We went through that whole list by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses. And think about the names that aren't on there. Did you notice that David is just an aside on there? Did you notice that Elijah and Elisha don't even show up in the list of all the people that probably you would think were, had some faith? Elijah probably would be on there. He didn't even make the list. By faith, all of these people did all of these things, and God blessed them with heaven. 
That's why it's so important to me that when you read Hebrews chapter 11, you finish with chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of these people that went through all of those things to experience heaven that they didn't even get to experience before they died, all of these people that that experienced all of that for looking forward to heaven, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that holds us back. Anything that keeps you from understanding the glory and joy of heaven is entangling and is messy and we should get rid of. (laughs) That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, just think about that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to sing a song. And while we're singing this song, I want you to pay attention to the words. Because I, I didn't share with Dave what my message was about. We, we, didn't, we didn't talk. And, and I, like Rex, love it when the Spirit shows up. Not that he doesn't show up other times, but sometimes you just show them, you're like, man, I, I actually, they were practicing earlier today, and I was in another part and could hear them practicing, and I, and I had to stop because I was crying. Because of the way that the Holy Spirit works. One day, one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. One day all of this stuff that we've been through, all all of these headaches, all these hurts, all of these pains, all of this yuckiness, one day, one day forever, we're going to be there. Relationships that have been broken are going to be mended forever. Separations that have happened as a result of death and of sickness are going to be brought together forever. Bodies are not going to hurt anymore. Forever. Jesus is going to be right there with you. Visible, touchable, feelable. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. As we sing today, I want, do you want to go to heaven? Maybe you don't. Can what's coming in heaven make this world easier to deal with? Because this isn't the end. My story doesn't stop here. It's it's not even really getting begun here. One day. Let's pray. God, God, give us one day. We want that day so bad. We want to be with you. You've asked us to prepare for that here. And we ask you to help us. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name.